0: Hey there, welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson from Shift Forward Health and here's what's gonna go down today. We have the flavor of the week about new senior leaders at One Medical, Walgreens, and Aetna. When leadership changes at some of the biggest names in the game, does that mean that their playbooks were wrong? And what does it mean when retail health's vision doesn't always align with shareholders' expectations? I'll talk about that. Then I'm joined by Derek Street, CEO and co-founder of DexCare. Derek shares how improving access means balancing the needs of three different audiences, and we dig into the importance of understanding the limitations of consumerism and not over-indexing on it at the detriment of others in the ecosystem. It's provocative thinking at its finest, so it's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. There's a changing of the guard at the top of some of the biggest names in the game. On August 31st, Amazon announced that Amir Dan Rubin is leaving One Medical later this year after six years as CEO. According to CNBC, he will be replaced by Trent Green, One Medical's current chief operations officer. The next day on September 1st, Walgreens Boots Alliance announced the departure of CEO Rosalind Brewer after less than three years in her position. She will be replaced by board member Ginger Graham as interim CEO while the company searches for a successor. And Daniel Fink, president of Aetna has stepped down for health reasons. He's been replaced by Brian Kane, who previously served as CFO of Humana, overseeing its primary care business. This announcement was made back in April, but took effect September 1st as well. There are different circumstances with each of these openings. Trent Green spent 14 years with Legacy Health as Chief Strategy Officer and then COO before joining One Medical last summer. Brian Kane has been credited as playing a key role in the formulation and execution of Humana's strategy during his time with the company. Before joining Humana, he spent 17 years at Goldman Sachs Investment Banking Division. And regarding Walgreens search, I'm reading from multiple sources that they're looking to make an even greater push into healthcare as opposed to taking a step back. Let's take a step back and acknowledge that these jobs aren't easy and based on social media chatter, rarely is anyone able to meet the lofty expectations placed on them. So first and foremost as human beings, I want to give credit where it's due. There's a lot that I admire and respect about each of these leaders during incredibly turbulent times. At the same time, I want to acknowledge the challenge that exists for the incoming leaders of these gargantuan. organizations. Big retail, health plans, and tech giants are not immune to market forces, financial headwinds, and the status quo. When leadership changes, does that mean that a company's playbook was wrong? After all, we're seeing that only certain pages out of some of those playbooks seem to have much success at all against the $4 trillion feeding the status quo players who don't want to be disrupted. But I don't know if I'd go that far. To me, it simply means that retail health's vision doesn't always align with shareholders' quarterly expectations, which gives me even more reason. For us here in this community to advocate for consumers' health needs. As you know, I'm cheering for every organization and now every leader who is actively working to make healthcare easier and less expensive. I firmly believe the road to better health in this country is finding the right spaces for retail health, pay viters, digital health, and traditional provider organizations to coexist. Let's support anyone with a vision for consumer centered innovation in healthcare and continue to advocate for them rather than wait for them to fail. That's another way that we'll build to the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. Everyone, let's get into the flow. Give it up for Derek Street, CEO and co-founder of DexCare. Derek, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. Thanks for the opportunity, Jared. Glad to be here. You were just mentioning that it feels like officially the end of summer in the Seattle area. You said so. It's no longer a little bit of sun. The, the clouds have come out. The rain has come out. Is that true? Yeah,
1: yeah. We're, we're living the dream up here in Seattle. It's uh, <laughs> it's it, you get to you get to September fifth and. Uh, it's cloudy and rainy. It actually, September's a pretty good month. But this particular day, it feels like everybody needs to be back in school and back at work. It's sort of that that environment
0: right now. And we didn't actually get into this in our kind of a pre-show here, like our prep. But are you a Seattle native? Are you originally from that area? No, I'm originally
1: from the Midwest. was born and raised in Iowa, decent-sized town. Well, small for anywhere else, but decent size for Iowa on the, you know, on the Mississippi River in the southeast corner of the state. But then I, but I moved out here 25 years ago and haven't gone back. And my kids are all. Natives now out here and so forth. So I don't know, maybe we're, we're grandfathered in out here at this point.
0: Oh, nice. I would think so. <laughs> at this point, I think that counts for sure. Well, I know you and I had the pleasure of meeting at DexCare's Consumer Transformation Summit earlier this year. So I've been looking forward to diving deeper with you and having a chance to dive into some of these topics. But before we get there, let's help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. What would you like them to know about you, personally or professionally?
1: I care deeply about the work that I do. There's only so much time any of us have to to a lot to anything. And so I care very deeply about healthcare and ensuring that people have access to it. We'll talk a little bit about that with DexCare. But you know, everything came from a comes from a very personal point of reference for me. I've had some pretty significant health issues in in my family with my, my daughter and others and, and so about twelve years ago or so, thirteen years ago decided to devote everything in my life, for-profit, non-profit to just making it easier for people to get access to healthcare, including myself, right? There's a very sort of selfish, I guess, motivation here as well but it it all aligns.
0: One other thing I I like to ask related to that is if there's a piece of career advice that you've received along the way that has stuck with you, one of those things that has either guided you, you feel like at at an important point in your career but just something, anything that comes to mind there? Yeah, I don't know that advice
1: I've received directly. I don't even know if it's a quote I've actually heard or if I've made it up. I, I, I seem to think that it's, it was an article I had read years ago by the founder of IDEO, the you know, world-famous design firm. And I believe you know, that, that that person had talked about how you know, what made them successful was that they really didn't spend any time worrying about kind of the risk of, of losses, if you will. So there's a lot of ways to kind of think of that, you know don't look back don't look down you know things like that but it was very it was just it stuck with me in that you know I, I truly believe that people that do really really impactful things they do it they, they they do it because they've they've missed 50 or 100 or 150 or 1500 times before that and we just happen to hear about the time that actually works <laughs> when they did something and it's this constant lack of Fear of rejection, if you will, that, you know, I'm going to do this thing, it doesn't work, I don't care. I'm not even going to look back and worry about people laughing at me or thinking that it's not, failed, done I failed, on this. I very well may have failed, but, you know, if I just keep going, I'm eventually going to keep trying enough stuff and something's going to work out. And everybody will forget about those failures. And that is, in fact, what happens. I think you could look again at any successful person in any domain. And if they're really being honest with kind of how they got there, they would have. Horror stories of the things that didn't work out before. But they just didn't pay attention to that. They just kept on going. And eventually found the thing that did. And so that's always stuck with me. There's lots of different ways of kind of getting at that, I'm sure. But I, I think it was a, a founder of idea that had kind of talked about his background that way, or the better the background that way.
0: What a great reminder. Well, I'll tell you what, let's set the stage for the rest of our conversation here. I'd love to just think at a, at a high level, just some of the things you're seeing and observing and reading about. Where do you think hospitals and health systems are doing it right? What do you think they're doing well when it comes to providing a superior consumer experience and then we'll talk about where they're struggling, but I'd love to hear just what, what do you think is going well? Like what are some things you're seeing and reading about where you're like, yeah, that's going well for them.
1: I like this question. We will talk about that in a moment, but our our customer, our health systems, our users of our platform are patients and providers, but the customers are our health systems. So we spend a lot of time, as you would in any business, understanding their needs and wants and and how to how to work with them closely. And I've been doing it now for a couple of companies, working Specifically with health systems, and like at the end of the day, you know, as you alluded to, Jared, and as I mentioned too, like like you don't need to be a CEO of a health tech company to know that like you're going to get connected to healthcare one way or the other. My previous company, I was in the surgery space, and I was it was a eye opening to learn that the average person has on has seven surgeries in their lifetime. So we're all going to have you know seven on average, some more, some less, but that's a lot, and that's about as invasive as it gets. And and then there's all the other stuff that happens. And at the end of the day, for all the bluster of the disruptors in healthcare and, you know, retailers and e-commerce organizations and insurance companies and all those folks, at the end of the day, we all still need to get care. And what health systems do really well is train up people that are already overachievers, make them even more accomplished and fill their big brains with even more knowledge to take care of all of us, which, we're all going to need at some point, including you know, e- even if you can do things in an asynchronous, digital, robotic, automated, you know, choose your your adjective way. At some point, somebody's going to need to lay hands on you and take care of you, and that's what health systems do better than anybody else. They fix people when they need to get fixed. Now, there's a whole bunch of other issues that they do less well, which you're probably going to ask about here in a moment, but making sure that you get bandaged up, bandaged up, fixed up, treated well, consumer experience aside, literally save lives. And there's not a lot of fields where you can say that's the
0: case. Where do you think health systems and hospitals are are struggling for the most part when it does come to the consumer experience side of things? Well, yeah, I think a couple areas, they're
1: not consumer-oriented entities. They haven't had that to be that way in the past. So they just don't often have that DNA. Furthermore, you operate an environment where there's just there's just more limitations. And some of those limitations are good, by the way, right? I mean, Amazon can be really effective at ensuring that my quote-unquote shopping cart, right, fills up with all sorts of stuff I didn't know that I needed. But, you know, accoutrements I want to add to this one thing I went there to look for. And I'm, I can be fine with it. You know, they're helping me out because it's, you know, it's some superfluous thing that I'm buying. We get we get a lot more concern when that happens with you know filling up your healthcare shopping cart, right, with procedures and things like that, even if even if appropriate, quite frankly. So there's a lot of limitations they have just by virtue of the the space they're in. Some of those are good, but it does make things slower. I think legacy systems, you know also are rate limiters within health systems. I mean, most health systems are, you know beholden to one of two or three electronic medical records that have been around for. For decades and can have them captive from a standpoint of how far and fast they can advance digitally as well. So those are all things that hold them back from you know being as as nimble and progressive, if you will, as as again the sort of sort of disruptors of the space. Some of those things are good. I don't think you want to completely... There, there are environments where friction, a little bit of friction is good. This is one of those environments, but it could be better.
0: Yeah, well, I like that because it it implies that this isn't placing blame on anyone. It's just a fact of organizations that have not traditionally been consumer-oriented, that it's not as simple as somebody telling them they need to be, and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, now we have all that figured out. I think it's all about how we approach it and how we approach it in a collaborative way to say, yeah, like let's set some realistic expectations here. And Yeah, there's a lot to it. Which leads us to kind of where DexCare fits in. Can you give us a layperson's explanation of of what DexCare does and what problems it addresses?
1: we're focused on here at DexCare is ensuring that everyone everywhere enjoys exceptional access to the best expertise to prevent, treat, and cure illness. And the way we do it is by providing a software platform that orchestrates both the demand side of healthcare, so patients looking for care, and the supply side of healthcare, the providers that can and the systems that can actually service them, and we do it across all service lines. And the way we accomplish that is we ensure that the care that's offered by those health systems and the customers of ours is more easily discoverable to patients and and, and consumers. Consumers being the ones that may not already be with a particular health system or have a, have a have a particular care provider. We ensure we make we ensure that it's a lot more discoverable anywhere. Somebody may think about needing some care, not just on the health system website. And then we ensure that we help those individuals navigate to the safest and best care options for them. And then ultimately that the health system can allocate their resources, so their providers and facilities and things like that, in a way, it can, it can automatically allocate those resources in the most kind of efficient and productive way possible. And that's important because when you want to, if you're really trying to solve access, which means you really just make it so that anybody needs care can, can get to it without having to wait forever. You can't just solve it with brute force. There aren't enough providers out there and facilities and there's unlimited internet connections. I suppose they think, think, think of it that way, but, but not all care can be delivered that way. And so, you know, because you have limited resources, you've got to ensure that they go as far as you possibly can and take them so they can see the maximum number of people. And that's what DexCare helps those health systems do, which then benefits the patients and we also do it in a way that makes it so that we can providers get less burnt out as well in the process because they're seeing more of the appropriate patients versus putting time into people they're less qualified
0: to see. I'm thinking from the perspective of an everyday person, maybe you know one of my parents or yeah, just somebody who does need some care done. So I'm thinking from an everyday person, they're trying to decide whether even to seek care because it's been cumbersome for them in the past. It's like maybe there is a long wait for the one you know, for a provider that they want to see, how does it benefit like an everyday person who's just trying to seek care when a provider uses a platform like DexCare?
1: Yeah, a couple of ways. So, and I alluded to them earlier. I'll, I'll double click on them. So, when you are looking for care as a, again, a consumer or a patient, and w- whether you're looking for care or maybe there's care that you need and you haven't really thought about it in a while, right? You know, all of us as we get older. Can kind of age into procedures we should be getting and screens and things like that for good prevention. There's a lot of places where you live your life online. I'm talking sort of sort of, sort of digitally here. Live your life online where you may not be kind of thinking about or, or have access to care in those environments. So what I mean by that is when you're on Google, right? And if you're searching for care on Google, you know, urgent care near me, right? It's a common thing. Or, you know, if you need to get a screening done or something like that. Those are places where you're looking for care, but often health systems do not connect their what we call care options. So appointment availability, and telemedicine services and things like that don't connect it well to those to the, you know, those major search engines. It's not really their core competency to do so it's a lot easier for other companies in other industries to kind of get rank higher on those search engines and things like that. And so you as a you as a patient may be looking for care near you, but but actually see a bunch of noise instead of actually getting to that facility, that doctor, that person that can help you right then and there. So one thing we do is we work with the health systems to ensure that their data that would make it so you would see what they offer front and center when you're searching on Google or when you're on a marketplace online, like a a ZocDoc or something like that, or if you're on an app or something like that, making it so that you can actually find and get and see that care very quickly. And then we make it very easy for you to access and book that care as well, all the way to if it's a synchronous, so real-time live virtual visit, we can help you not only find it very prominently on someplace like Google, but actually within 10 minutes have that, have somebody there for you to actually deliver, to actually see you virtually as well. But if you want to come in to a facility, we can have you, we can enable you to schedule that right there as well. And so, you know, simply making care more discoverable, not requiring, as a patient to navigate to the health system website, look at a bunch of, you know, words that honestly all sound the same, but they're kind of lexicon that healthcare can use to kind of kind of confuse people, kind of fumble your way around the service to try to figure, the, the, the site to try to figure out what care you think is appropriate for you, even though you don't quite understand all those things. We take care of all that for you. We make it more discoverable. Instead of having you have to navigate through all, this, all those things, we'll understand a little bit about your intent and motivation. And then we'll be able to say, you know, this is going to be the best thing for you, available in this short amount of time. We can get you hooked up right now. The doctor will see you in X, you know, minutes or days if you're coming in in person or something like that. So that that at the end of the day that helps you get as a patient helps you get access to a lot more care. And then the provider benefits as well. And so does the health system.
0: I love that. Let's, let's dive deeper there, especially on the health system side, because if that math doesn't work out, then it's awfully hard to invest in improving this, this experience and the access for the patients. Tell me about that. Yeah.
1: So let's talk about, let me pull back a little bit. So there are three, we, we believe very much in this, there are three constituencies that need to be considered when you're trying to solve healthcare access. And we don't think anybody Really does it well, so we're, we're we're trying to address that problem. The first is patience. So we talked about that. You know, we've all been through the scenario where we we want to get care, particularly if it's specialty care, and we've got you know we got to get in line, right? You've got to wait. It's you know, best case scenario is weeks. It can often be months to get in to see somebody. That's not good for. It certainly doesn't make any of us feel any good. And any better as a result of that. Providers are similarly similarly stretched, right? And from the provider perspective, right? We as patients may may complain about waiting weeks or months and getting somebody, the provider would say, I'm spending all my time seeing people as fast as I possibly can and documenting on the side, and I don't have enough time to really provide good care. This is not why I got into medicine. So they're not happy as well. And if you got, you know, we said it earlier, if these are people that are going to lay hands on you. Like, You kind of want them to be in a good frame of mind. You don't want them to be stressed and burned out. And then finally, the health systems, they are challenged because one of the things we didn't mention earlier is it's just being in care delivery, which is what health systems are. it's it's just not that good of a business, right? I mean, even when things are going well, it's a low margin business. You earn a few points on operating margin. Those are the best ones, by the way. Then something like a pandemic hits, and it just you know trashes these these organizations financial picture. That's why you're seeing consolidation. You know, there are more doctors now employed by health systems than at any time in the in the past. And that's because it's just, it's really tough financially to be your own care provider. And so they're struggling as well. And as you know, we, we spent out a Providence health system, Dexcare did years ago. And as they say, at Providence, there's no mission without margin. You know, it's a large faith, one of the largest faith-based health care organizations in the country. Does a ton of uncompensated and charity care every year. You can't do that forever if you if you can't have at least a decent business there that allows you to continue to do that. And so all three of those constituencies have needs and wants and motivations. And what we find is that access works best when you consider the intent and motivation of, of patients and you understand which providers are best at seeing which patients most effectively, most efficiently. So you don't waste their time or the patient's time. You give them more satisfaction in the work that they're doing. We found that we can help providers actually, we, we can help a health system see more patients by just better matching of patients and providers to so the ones that are best equipped to see certain patients. They do it, just frankly, they just do it faster and more effectively. And then if you factor in then the health system and the balancing of their resources so that they can look across their entire network and and understand that if they have a clinic over here or a group of providers over here that are underutilized, and then you got another clinic over here, a group, of, a group of providers that are overutilized, if you just simply share some of the patients for the overutilized one with the one that's underutilized, things balance out and and you're able to see more patients. That's better for business. The patients are happier because they can finally more of them can get seen, and the providers are happier because they're seeing patients that are more appropriate for them, as opposed to ones that they can't really help. It's the balancing and the coordination. It's very complicated to do that. By the way, that's sort of the secret sauce of the business. But when you can pull that off, and we have with large health systems, then everybody wins, and you end up with a you end up with an ad, a healthcare access system that sees more patients. Burns out less providers and enables health systems to grow sustainably, so that they're here for us when we all need to, we all need those seven surgeries in our lifetime.
0: To your point earlier about some of these capabilities not being in the DNA of most healthcare organizations, yeah, they they weren't designed to be consumer minded. I mean, many of them have been around for over hundred years. That wasn't the ethos of of business, if you will. Anyway, so again, we're not placing blame, not saying, hey, how you know how come this isn't a thing what we like to to think about here on the show is like, how do we help? How do we get to a better place? How do we make more progress at a faster speed? How do we build up those consumer muscles, if you will, in healthcare organizations? How do we get us to a better place? Any thoughts on that? How do we do that? A couple of things.
1: I mean, some of it's already happening, right? So we we work with many people in health systems, but one of the groups is Typically, there it goes by different names. It could be the digital or the innovation group. It could be a transformation. You know, groups like folks like that, and they've increasingly brought people in from outside the industry to bring that DNA in. Actually, when we when DexCare was founded, it was not founded by me. It was actually founded by a person. It was Aaron Martin, who who was at Amazon running publishing for Jeff before he decided to move into healthcare. And he built a couple of companies over there and a venture fund and so forth. He's now gone back to Amazon, ironically, to kind of second in command and healthcare there. But he was a, you know, he was a consumer, a digital consumer person. And we see that, uh, we see that happen all over the place. So that helps. I will say it's in and of itself, it's not enough. And you also don't want to over-index too much because, again, at the end of the day, this is about providing care. And that is the thing, right, that, that when my daughter needs, you know, her next kind of wave of care, I don't want to, I don't expect to go to an e-commerce company or a, a retail place to actually get, you know, significant care for her and so you need to balance they need to make sure you balance those kind of outsiders with insiders as well we have a lot of respect for the insiders as well i think another thing that kind of again holds back speed that i mentioned earlier is just the just the legacy kind of it infrastructure inside of health systems where we found a lot of success at dexcare is in not replacing but amplifying those underlying systems You know, health systems have invested too much time, too much money to go backwards now on some of those systems. So you need to respect them as sources of truth, but it doesn't mean you can't amplify them and make them more effective, right? So we work with a lot of health systems where we'll, for example, push and pull data from the EMR in a way that allows us to make To do the things I mentioned earlier, so that care is much more discoverable in the places people are hanging out online, not waiting for them to come into the website or their MyChart account or 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 things like that. So you know that holds them back, but there's there's an opportunity there as well to do to do better, and and we're showing that. And then I I guess I would say the final thing I would say is, just a little bit of caution, right? It goes back to my earlier point of like I think we can. I think as a just as as people in this industry as patients, right? As humans, like we can over-index on this consumerism stuff too much as well. And don't get me wrong, like we're a, we're a consumer, we have a consumer front we consumer front end, very effective for the health systems that we work with and their patients and providers. That being said, it's care at the end of the day, right? So a little bit of friction is good, right? So I'll give you an example, right? In, in an e-commerce world, quote unquote, fill up the shopping cart as, as much as possible to get you know, share a wallet and increase LTV over time and all sorts of kind of very esoteric metrics in that space. In the world of healthcare, nobody wins if I, as a patient, get to be such a squeaky wheel and use all my connections that others don't have to go and if I have some back pain to go force my way in front of an orthopedic surgeon when that orthopedic surgeon can't help me, because I probably just need to see a physical therapist anyway. And I jumped the line, and now that person can't see people that actually do need help. And so it's really important that we leverage the data and understanding we have about patients, providers, and health systems to actually make sure that there's appropriate matches of care in a way that works for everybody. This kind of notion that healthcare should be so consumerized that only the consumers, what the consumer wants, wants, wants is all that matters at the chagrin of everybody else in this space, including other patients, providers, and the health system that needs to exist in order to provide that higher level care. That's just backwards. And I think, uh, so that makes healthcare a little bit different, and we need to give healthcare a little bit of grace. It needs to move faster towards consumerism, and there are ways to do that, but it shouldn't go too far, because it's different. It's different than other spaces.
0: Is there anything you can share about where DexCare is headed in the next six to 12 months, either to that end, because I, I love the thought of, being aware of how you can over-index on consumerism and and which demands or needs impact the the needs and expectations of others in the healthcare ecosystem. Is there anything you can speak to about where things are headed in the next, like in the short term?
1: Yeah, in the short term, we're very focused on doing what we do well right now, which is ensuring that healthcare access is better for patients, providers, and health systems. So. That ain't, you know, very tactically speaking, that involves working with more and more health systems so we can serve more patients. Right now, the health systems we work with around the country cover about 25% of the U.S. population. You know, we've got a million, we're coming up on a million people, you know, this year alone that have gone through DexCare powered care experiences. We just need to keep doing more of that and investing in our understanding of Patient intent and motivation, what providers need, and what health systems need as well. We're pretty busy right now. So when you ask me like the short term question, it's continue to do more of the same. It's working really well for everyone.
0: Love that. All right. Just one more question for you then. <laughs> I, I love dreaming about the destination. So this is more longer term horizon, right? But if let's say these efforts are successful let's say there's a better understanding of and implementation of consumer centered innovation out there what do you think that looks like and what do you hope we're celebrating in the industry 3 to 5 years from now yeah
1: i think to so we're very focused on access i think there's there's if you if you kind of really blow up that question, there's lots of lots of things in healthcare that are incredibly exciting longer term, from precision medicine to you know the flavor of the day around generative AI. There's 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 all sorts of things. We're very focused on just making it making access better for everyone. So when we think of the destination, we you know surprisingly I say I would say I would say unfortunately surprisingly it seems pretty pedestrian, but it's really hard to do, and that is we need to change this kind of paradigm where we think of a healthcare access as simply getting an appointment, right? So much of healthcare happens outside of a doctor's appointment. And I'm talking about virtual or in person. You know, we, we do that when we have something that ails us, that when we feel bad, we need something that, that needs fixing. So it's important. But we all know that healthcare really starts and ends with you know what we do outside of a outside of a doctor's office or a virtual visit, you know, how we live our lives, the environments that we put ourselves in, the social connections we have, how we take care of our bodies. I mean, all of these things ultimately lead to good or bad access when it comes to prevention, treating, and curing illness. And so I look at what we're doing in Dexcare, I look at the state of healthcare access, particularly in this country. And I see it as the tippiest top of the iceberg, if you will, what really needs to be done, which is getting holistic views longitudinally, what's going on with And I don't not not just patients, right, because patients implies that, you know, I'm sick, I'm in an EMR somewhere and I'm getting taken care of inpatient or outpatient. But I'm talking about just just people, humans, and how we can understand, you know, all of those things that are going on in our lives, how we can ensure that the right types of providers and resources are available to people. It's not always a medical doctor by the way, to take care of people at the right at the right time for those things, and then how we can have institutions put together, which isn't always a health system. I'm not saying we believe in health systems, but they're not the only institutions that can do this, particularly if you think more broadly about care and prevention and cure beyond just treat, how we can ensure that those systems, that, that those institutions are able to grow sustainably. That's a big, big vision for access Dexcare alone is not going to do it. it it's definitely, a, it takes a village kind of a kind of an idea here. But that's where I'd like to see us go. I don't know if we can do it in three to five years, but that's we're going to keep pushing in that direction as, as at least part of the solution to, to, to that problem or getting that
0: vision. Thanks so much for giving us a lot to think about today. For those who want to learn more about Dexcare, is there a place to send them? Is that just on the website or is there a good way for them to connect with you, maybe on LinkedIn? Best way to find us is...
1: That's our website, www.dexcarehealth.com. We do have a LinkedIn presence as well. Just search for Dexcare, D-E-X-C-A-R-E. And LinkedIn, you'll find us there
0: as well or, or any of the social. Outstanding. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. I've had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Derek Street from Dexcare. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for the opportunity, Jared. Thanks again.